Good evening, November Foxtrot. Hi, Dan. Hi, Andy. Oh, hi, mate. You're right. Not too bad. My mouse has just died, unfortunately. There we go. That's better. Um, <laughs> that was awkward. Hi, Kenny. Hi, Freshmate. Hi, Ryan. Um, obviously, Dan, you've joined us this time from uh, Frontline Events. Do you want to just do a quick introduction just so we can break the ice? And, uh, uh, yeah. Um, really weird. So, um, as I was saying to uh, Mike uh, earlier on, uh, I didn't come from an airsoft background. Um, I've literally... I did like three skirmishes, um, went to a couple of mill sims, including some gunman ones, and thought, you know what, this is what I really like. Uh, and one of the guys was like, oh, do you want to start your own company? And I was like, yeah, okay. And uh, everything just sort of unfolded from there. I and uh, I haven't really had any control <laughs> over it until now. So um, uh, just a little bit more about me as well. Um, I'm currently serving and have been for the last 11 years. Um, probably not fit to work with civilians yet, but I am trying to get used to it. So that's all about me. <laughs> Cool. Nice. Well, um, let's just jump into Pew Pew News. Um, we've got a little bit of exciting news. So obviously we've got our competition running at the moment for our 100th episode. Um, full details and how you can enter are on the website. But we have a new prize that's been added um, that you can win. So courtesy of Range Right, uh, we now have a Cybergun M249 Para Full Metal um, now in the drawer as well. So it's the AG full metal adjustable hop up three stage safety includes bipod, which is very exciting. That was very loud. So basically, yeah, we've got a new um, got a new prize going to be added to the website. Um, there's a couple other bits and pieces as well. We're still talking to sort of various companies um, about anything that they might be willing to chuck in the pot. So if you're interested in entering the competition, say check out the website. Full details on there. Um, I think Lance is chatting as November Foxtrot on the no, that's chat me. as well. Oh, was it you? Yeah. Cool. I didn't um, realise I could do that. No, that's fine. Uh, as, as November Foxtrot, this is very fun. I thought it was down at me. Um, <laughs> right, so any other news? Any any news from Andy, Dan? Anything exciting? Any new purchases this week? Yeah, my pistol and mm -hmm. uh, a camp bed tent. Thing. So it's like a, uh, you know, like Lance's thing that he was sleeping in at um, Defiant, where it's a camp bed. Oh, yes. It's got like yeah, a yeah. cover over it. Uh, I've ordered one of them. Cool. And I've ordered a hammock ball bar. So it's basically a ball bar with two points that go out and you can tie your hammock to it so you can sleep on the front of your vehicle. Ah, gotcha. I've seen those. Yeah. I've seen those. I've seen guys using them on Land Rovers and tanks yeah. and stuff. So I haven't figured out where I'm going to put it on the van yet, but it will be somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh, my my recent purchase was the Wooby. Um, we got nice. told we're going yeah. to Estonia in 2024, and I was like, that's going to be cold. So simple man with simple needs. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Good shout. You can't argue. Is that the that, is that a military first one? I think I there's no. Quite so this is this is a Rothko one. Um, oh, I got okay. it on eBay. Um, I was, was quite nice. happy with that. I was like, "Oh, Rothko, I love that." Yeah, <laughs> it's a it's an actual issued one from the from early two thousands, I think. Mm -hmm. Oh, wicked, cool. Uh, oh, I haven't yeah. got any new purchases this week. The only thing that we have got is the uh, exciting new Nofo branded t shirts, which um, none of the rest of the team have yet. Um, they're all currently yeah, we're not allowed them. So um, they'll be getting those soon. But they'll be exciting things that I can I can yeah. share. Um, oh, and. The other news, we're going to be at, all three of us are going to be at uh, NAE. 
Because you're going yeah. as well, aren't you, Dan? You've got a I am, yeah. little stall. Um, Front Isle Events is going to have our own stand set up. So it'll be near the uh, near the gyros, the most important thing of the weekend. <laughs> and near the so if you if you head down, if you see us, just pop in and say hello. I won't lie, that's we one definitely. of the reasons I go to NAE, is that? <laughs> <laughs> it's the only reason I go. Yeah. <laughs> um, hi, Matthew. Hi, Ricky. Hi, Silly Gilly. Pony Tony. Uh, Michael Carr. Richard Nelson. Hi, Dan. Ryan. Danny. Padraig. Andrew. Uh, Will. Yeah, welcome. Welcome, welcome. We so, um, obviously, we're joined tonight by Dan from Frontline Events. Um, so, Dan, tell us more about Frontline Events. So, obviously, you know, the, the kind of the marketing stuff that we've been putting out earlier in the week, obviously, identify you as sort of a reenactment style Milsim company. Um, yeah. But, yeah, tell okay. us more. All right. So, um, back in 2019, um, I was getting into doing World War II airsofting. Um, I've never been a reenactor. Uh, I've never really sort of cared for it as such because I've heard all of the horror stories about stitch counting and got to make sure you look absolutely 100% correct. Otherwise, you're not going to be very popular. Um, and after doing a couple of gunman mill sims, I wanted to do more World War II. Um, and there wasn't a lot of it at the time. You might get it like once a year. Um, so we started frontline events so that we could do World War II events primarily. Um, my first kit was horrendous. And it's slowly built up over time. So I've never expected anyone to turn up with the perfect kit straight away. However, it's like an illness. It's a bit like having a motorbike. You get a motorbike and then you start looking at more. You get a bike helmet, you start looking at more helmets. And it's just one of those things. Um, and it's grown massively to the point where I'm actually running out of space to store all of a World War II kit. Um, and one of the things we wanted to do was not make it gimmicky. Um, we wanted to, to pay great respects to World War II and indeed any conflict that we actually um, run an event based on um, in order to show, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Homage almost. Yeah, yeah, yeah paying like, yeah, a massive homage to, to absolutely everything that's happened that people have fought for and died for in the past for us to be able to even do that today. Um, so every single event is done with the utmost respect um, to try and make it as realistic as possible to give you an experience, um, whether that's from the food to the boots you're wearing um, and uh, the, the uniforms. For instance, uh, last weekend we did a Stalingrad game and all of the Germans oh, wow. in the 30 degree heat were wearing woolen uniforms. And someone said to me, well, why, why can't I wear a, you know, a, a thin smock? And I was like, well, they didn't. Yeah. Um, we're all here to try and experience what they might have felt. And it just happened to be that we were on the German team wearing wool. The Russians were laughing at us. So, that's just <laughs> yeah. um, and it's it, it just sort of grew legs from there. Um, initially, it was like, oh yeah, we'll do a couple of events and we'll we'll see how it goes. To now trying to do one every couple of months, and very soon going to have our own skirmish site up in Shropshire. So, like I said, it very quickly grew legs, and it's continuing to grow. Um, but I'm open to questions about it. So, whatever you, well, can you have ask. a question. If you have a question for Dan, um, if you can whack it into the chat, um, if you could just start it with a Q, it would just help me pick those out um, as they come through, because obviously the probably imagine the comments get quite crazy. Um, so, yeah. Um, so you do you just do I mean, you, you mentioned obviously World War Two um, bits and pieces. So what other areas and things do you do? Because I noticed that there was, a, I think, a couple of Falklands ones. Yeah, so we, um, yeah, we did. We did a Falklands game last December. It was uh, awfully cold and very, very, very wet. Uh, we did it up in um, 
near Brecon at Pathfinder Airsoft, who very kindly let us use the site. Um, and it couldn't have been better. We, we wanted to pick somewhere that looked the same and felt the same so that when we dressed up, because it's 90% photographs, we all know that and can't deny it. Um, so we dressed up, we turned up and we looked the part. And because we looked the part and because we dressed up and because we behaved ourselves, again, it's that pay and respect to those people who did actually die, including a lot of members of my own regiment that served in the Falklands. Um, I've only met a couple of the old guys that served there. One of them was a police officer who was actually going to give me a speeding ticket once. Um, <laughs> but it was it was all about trying to do it as not as realistically as possible. I think that's probably the wrong thing to say, as I've pointed out, because you're not actually getting shot at. But trying to give you an experience. You know, when, when we were walking up the side of the hill and we saw an Argentine flag on the crest of a hill in the mist, it sent shivers up my spine. And I was on the Argentine side. Um, again, just doing it right to try and make it feel right. Yeah. Mm. Um, and it's almost like reenactment, but it's still airsoft. So we still have, you're actually getting shot at with something rather than yeah. just shooting at each other with blanks with, oh, well, I've shot at you, so you need to lie down here. And it's all very well choreographed. Um, it isn't. It's a bit more. You have to use your brain and try and figure out what the enemy's going to do within reason. I will steer it in a certain direction, but what the players do on the ground and the section commanders, that's up to them. And sometimes it works, sometimes it fails. It's one of those things. But um, yeah, so to, to elaborate more on that, so Falklands we did last year. We've got another one this November. Um, we'd like to push out into doing uh, French Indochina, so the predecessor oh, wow. to Vietnam. Um, yeah. So Again, it encompasses so much World War II kit that everyone's already got the guns and parts of the uniform so that you can jump straight into that without having to spend a fortune on loadouts. Um, and then once we kick that off, then eventually we'll go down the route of doing the 1960s and 70s Vietnam mm -hmm. um, because people will be starting to roll into it. Um, but again, you know, every type of event has its own player. Um, so if someone really likes the Falklands, I wouldn't force them to come to a World War II game. I'll try to tempt them. <laughs> but I certainly won't force them to do it. Because um, I love the players that come. We've, we've sort of almost built a giant family around frontline events where if you turn up, we'll, we will look after you and we'll treat you like brothers and sisters. That's just the way we try to make it work. Yeah, definitely. Um, there's also some Israeli stuff that I have planned as well. However, it's six-day war. So it's, like I said, years in the past. Yeah. Um, Arabs versus Israelis. Uh, that again, it's a little pipe dream. There's loads of them. Uh, probably too many to be able to answer all of them tonight, but so many. <laughs> mm. oh, cool. I mean, there's a couple um, comments already that come in. So uh, Will says, "Absolute legends." Kudos to them because that was hot. Uh, obviously, referring to the uh, the <clears throat> um, heavy duty um, wool uniforms. Um, yeah, they're not nice to wear in the heat. Yeah, because you used yeah. to do reenactment, didn't you, Andy? Yeah, I did. Yeah, reenactment for ten years. World War Two, did German and US. That was, nice. Uh, yeah, you know, I mainly did US, but yeah, the occasional German role, which was uh, yeah, in the summer. <laughs> yeah, no, nah. oh, I went US. <laughs> What's the weather like this weekend? I was going to piss down the rain. I'll do US then. <laughs> there are times where I've felt like that and just won't allow myself to do it yet. Yeah. <laughs> no, in all fairness, I did do it in March. The one weekend that was blistering sunshine in March, I went as US para, and it yeah. was uh, it was really comfortable. It, it was. Me. It's very yeah. Para is very comfortable. US para is top notch. <laughs> they had all the good gear. Yeah. When, when you look at you look at US webbing at the time and you compare it to the German stuff and you're like tangled up in it trying to get dressed. Yeah. 
the or US stuff, you, put it on and clip it, and it's just done. Yeah. When you pick your belt up, your German your, your German belt, and you pick it up wrong, and all your stuff just slides off, and you just go, oh. Yeah, exactly. That. <laughs> <laughs> um, Taylor says, yeah, fair play to the lads that weekend. They did really well. Um, Fresh Meat says, is it November yet? Um, I know so I know Wayne quite well, and he is absolutely gagging to go uh, to your November Falklands event. We are too. Mm. We're absolutely gagging. Danny, for Danny, Danny's keen. So, um, so one question that I, I want to kind of kick it off early. I know um, a lot of people have got messaging in, um, and you sort of been picking those up about. Yeah. Uh, last week we talked a lot about insignia and walking and kind of all of that aspect. So I'll, I'll let you lead this question, Andy, because I know you've been sort of fielding a lot of the questions. Yeah, so a lot of the guys, I, I don't know if you saw last week's episode at all, um, there was quite a big discussion on is Milsim stolen valour slash walting um, and should airsoft players wear proper insignia or unit designations, so like the paras with the red hat and the... Uh, the red beret and the para badge on top. Um, and there was quite a bit of discussion in regards to what everyone thought was correct. Um, so obviously as an active serviceman yourself um, and an events organiser, a lot of people have asked, they'd like your opinion on on how you see the that yourself, basically. Yeah. So. Yeah, I get it. I get where where everyone's coming from, and it it always comes up. And I, I get it asked, get it asked probably once a week. Oh, why are we using the correct cap badges, or why, you know, why are you guys, for instance, we did a photo shoot um, last year where a few of us were in Royal Marines berets with Royal Marines cap badges. I'm not a Royal Marine, but I'm also not claiming to be one. Um, there's a very fine line. Walting has its own definition. Again, it's a word that's used. It's not illegal in the UK, but it should be. To me, it's the same as what Lance said last week. A guy turns up to a remembrance parade claiming to be a para or all marine when blokes have fought and died, being paras and all marines or even blues and royals, whatever. Yeah. Um, that, to me, is a massive no-no. That, that should be illegal, even though it isn't in the UK yet. Um, but it is in the States, I believe. Um, when you come into an event like ours, you're coming to... Again, you've got the choice not to do it. No one's going to force you to wear a cap badge. Mm. No one's going to force you to wear a green or maroon lid because I'd prefer people to wear helmets because <laughs> that looks more realistic. Yeah. Um, however, if you did choose to do it, no one's going to say anything because you've turned up to an event that is reenacting something historic, something that did happen with those people in it. Um, E.g., uh, when we did the Khan game this summer, uh, we had a large contingent of Waffen SS at a normal skirmish game. That would be weird. However... At a World War Two game, it would be weird not to see an SS contingent at a battle that predominantly mm -hmm. ro revolved around them. Yeah. Um, the same as if we did the Battle of Arnhem, it would revolve around the British Paras, and it would be weird not to see British Paras there. So, to me, at an event like ours or in a reenactment, it really doesn't matter. It's not waltzing. You're waltzing if you're running around with a cap badge on or a badge saying, look, I was a Royal Marine or I am in the Paras. Then that's kind of weird. It's a bit strange. But they, they generally tend to not really say too much because they don't want to slip up. No. Um, it's one of the things I've noticed. They they tend to avoid me because I'm quite quite picky. Um, <laughs> but, um, yeah, so my opinion of it is if you're doing it at a specific type of event, you're not running around saying that you are what you claim 
that you are, even though you're not. Um, and you're not at rem- remembrance parades and things like that, then it's absolutely no. fine. I mean, I don't, I don't understand what all the what all the prejudice is about um, to do with cat badges. Because if someone was wearing my cat badge at an event, I'd be quite honoured by that because no one ever wants to be a blue and royal. Because what do they do? They they whip donkeys and drive tanks. Um, so to that's my hard. opinion. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So obviously, I, I missed last week's as well. Um, so as a reenactor or uh, an ex reenactor, we we did have people come up to us and say like we did um, we got invited to a couple of um, uh, remembrance parades um, and was asked to like carry the first division uh, flag um, and a couple of times we said yes and the US servicemen that were over uh, over in France at the time came up and thanked us um, like for portraying them and their um like their fallen friends and things and they said it was really nice but you do it over here and we did get some people saying look why are you doing it it's a bit bit weird and it was like well we've been asked along as a reenactment group to give people some education on what soldiers would have worn and things like that back then and i think most people that we spoke to kind of chilled out and relaxed a little bit once they realized that we were there not trying to we weren't pretending to be a soldier from World War Two. Well, we were, but we weren't trying to pretend that we were a veteran. Yeah. Um, and I think that's the main Which, thing. Which, to be fair, with World War Two, I mean, there's a bit of an age difference going yeah. on as well. Well, that was some of the like... things, but... But, yeah, it was... I, 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 I tend to agree, like, you are... If you're playing airsoft, as long as you're not acting like a complete idiot and saying, right, well, I've done 12 years training, I'm an SS and I'm... SAS and I was on the balcony and all this stuff. You just kind of think, all right, mate, yeah, carry on. (laughs) For all those blokes on there, to be honest. Yeah. um, Just a quick question there from Dan in the the comments. Yeah, I was just going to bring that one up. Um, So Dan asks, is is there a cutoff point uh, where you think it's inappropriate to base an event on? So in my opinion, what I like to do is ask the community what they want, because the last thing I want to do is say, right, okay, we're going to do a Northern Ireland event, which I know is a heated, heated debate mm-hmm. as it is. Um, and me go balls deep into it and then everyone go, whoa, what are you doing? I'd rather ask them, find out what the opinions are. Some people opinion that it's happened, it's gone, it's not going on now, so why can't we do it? However, I'm slightly more biased towards not doing it because I know people that are still under trial for it. Um, and it's like, I can't do that because of them. Uh but then some people would say the same thing about the Falklands. But I've spoken to Falklands veterans and they're fine with it. Not mm. all of them want to come because it might bring back horrific memories, but they're fine with it. I've got a couple of Afghan veterans as well. And they, they don't mind about the, the early days Afghan stuff because the latest stuff's boring anyway. Yes, it's still horrific. Yes, people were still losing limbs and losing lives, but it's not the same to run an event about people just stepping on IEDs as what it is to do one about mm. some sort of valiant fight against Al Qaeda or the Taliban. Um, Northern Ireland, if loads of people wanted to do it, I would probably go down that route, but it would have to be popular enough to do it. Um, if it's just going to offend too many people, then there's no point doing it because it affects yeah. our reputation. Uh, I hope that answers your question, Dan. So would you kind of, would you say that you would have a, a limit on the year 
that you would go up to so yeah like late so, 80s early 80s so with the with the Falklands again you know 1982 then there wasn't really any big mm. conflicts until the 1990s um so 1991 Gulf War that'd be pretty boring to do in my opinion because there wasn't a lot of big battles that happened there was some but not a lot especially not that involved infantry um then I would move up to okay early Afghan I don't really want to do Bosnia because Bosnia is absolutely horrific yeah, um, there's a lot of genocide. The same as I wouldn't want to do a, um, a Holocaust reenactment thing for World War Two. It's absolutely horrific. It doesn't need to be done. If people want to know about it, they can research it. They can ask me. I'll tell them how boring it is <laughs> and how, how <laughs> disgusting it is. But um, the next big thing after that would be early uh, early days Afghanistan, 2001. Mm. Um, why did we go there? We went there because of what happened in the trade center, uh, the World Trade Center. So it's got historic fact to it. And then we would follow that route. I had a friend who was in 4-5 Commando at the time. So I've got a little bit of information from him. And then we just sort of roll with it like that. And we'd follow sort of early days Afghan campaigns and let them roll into each other over a multiple, uh, a multitude of events rather than just going, right, this is that event, that's that event, that's that event. And now we're going to do 2018. Um, Another question there from Will. Um, yeah, Will just says, um, would you ever do a Spanish Revolution game? Again, oh. it's got to be popular enough. So Will might have kit for a Spanish Revolution game, but no one else does. So there wouldn't be any point doing it for just one person. Um, a lot of people are asking me for Japanese, um, so Pacific Theatre games. But I've only seen a handful of Pacific Theatre yeah. um, kits. Uh, it's expensive to hire the sites, expensive to do the logistics and to run the game. It's got to be worth it to at least break even to make the game happen. Yeah. Um, so that would be on the same sort of lines as that. Yeah, Japanese and Chinese World War Two kits are hard to get um, hold of. Even even, even modern day um, fabrics and stuff like that, it's hard to get it to match. Yeah. And, and the original stuff is just next level expensive so you wouldn't want to dive around an airsoft field wearing a pair of trousers that cost you 900 quid to ship over from somewhere some of the things are really hard to get hold of yeah plus the weapons as well you don't get many yeah i mean it's world war II weapons yeah i mean again it's so bloody expensive um i do keep getting asked about the i think it's a type 97 which is a rifle or is it a type 98 I don't know. Um, I keep getting asked about Japanese bolt action rifles. They're just so hard to find. Yeah. Um, they are out there. I just don't know where. Um, but they're certainly not mainstream enough to be cheap. Um, I know a lot of companies now are boosting the prices up, but they're also increasing the build quality. So, again, it's uh, you know catch twenty two. There's actually really good questions coming in. Yeah. Um, so there's one from Pepe. Uh, would you consider doing an Iraq war game? <clears throat> I'm I would just yes. follow that up as well with Rage. So, would you do a Sierra Leone style event, uh, thinking op barras? Yeah. So, mm. um, it depends. It dep I'd have to do the background research. I don't know enough about Sierra Leone. I know about the SAS mission, the famous one, um, but I'd have to do a lot more background research into the peacekeeping mission that was going on. Was there actually any fights? Because, like I said, I want to make it historical. I don't want to make up a conflict. Because um, you fall into all different traps there, and I, I don't want to do that. I don't want to end up writing a story for something and running out of ideas, and then having to just completely can it off. Yeah. So I'd have to do my research into it, and I'll probably get back to you about it. Um, 
I'll, tomorrow, I'm not doing anything. I'll have a look tomorrow. And I'll, I'll do a bit of background reading. And I'll, I'll put it on the Facebook page. I'll just write okay. that down so I forget. Oh, <laughs> um, so in terms of the um, when, you're, when you're planning these events and the like, so obviously where... Um, you're using the Falklands as an example because, to be honest, I, I'm not a military expert, you know. Um, but I, I know a little bit about that one because I've, I've done a Falklands event. So how um, realistic do you try to make the event in terms of the storyline? And then how do you balance the fact that ultimately you've got two factions playing airsoft? So, for example, um, the Falklands, obviously, you know, the British one. What happens if the British don't win in... The event that you're running like this things start to sort of go the other way because obviously that then starts to take the the, the reenactment side of it away so how, how yep. does that work so we we manage both teams so it it will be slightly scripted in a way that both teams will start at let's say objectives a and b and there'll be four objectives um we'll fight a certain period over something and then we'll move on to another bit and i'll move on to another bit and move on to another bit but it flows within the game um I don't. I, I like to hope that the players can't actually see that unfolding as it moves around. Eventually, the defenders lose. They they always lose the objectives that they're trying to hold because the the, the assaulting force will always try to come up with a, a clever way of taking it. Mm -hmm. um, but it can always be engineered. Like I said, there's always some element of control from myself and whoever's on the other team, and we swap around, um, vice versa, all the time. Um, so from that regards, it's a bit like it's on rails, but it's also not on rails at the same time. It's got elements of a lot of freedom, but the main objectives themselves are planned, um, but it will roll through the day without you noticing, hopefully. Does that answer cool. that? Does that answer the yeah, question? yeah, no, it does. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. I, I have to balance a few different things whilst, whilst listening to you at the same time. Um, I tend no, to that's fine. Things, so. <laughs> no, no, it's good. It's good. Um, I mean, the, uh, the other aspect to that, I guess, as well, is um, in, in terms of the realism with the kit. So I know that obviously Kit Goblin's quite uh, sort of a supportive element um, to Frontline. Um, I have to apologise. I had hoped <clears> to get in touch with them and get them on as well, but maybe we'll have to sort of do that as another sort of follow-up um, episode. So how, how rigorous do the um, loadout requirements have to be? I mean, presumably, obviously, you can't rock up and do um, a World War II style event, obviously dress as a stormtrooper or something like that. But, um, you know, in. Depends what if, kind. Well, yeah. <laughs> um, but if we're sort of, you know, likening it to sort of a £50 budget, for example, is that something that's doable or is it going to be. Probably, uh, probably like not 50 quid. A couple hundred be, quid? Yeah, I think you're probably, you're probably looking about a couple of hundred quid. I mean, my, my first loadout um, for the, the German kit I did, I mean, I, I picked up a shirt and trousers for like. I think 75 quid. They were pre-owned. Um, they already had badges on them. I was like, okay, that'll do. Um, the MP40 I spent about 300 quid on because I wanted a gas blowback one, which turned out to be absolute crap. Um, <laughs> but that's, that's by the by. I mean, you can pick up cheap World War II guns easily enough. Um, yeah, so again, your kit doesn't have to be reenactor standard. Mine certainly wasn't when I started. And I know a lot of the guys who I'm with their kit certainly wasn't at reenactor standard when they started. Mine's probably still not now. There's still bits that people go, oh, you've got the wrong buttons on that tunic. I'm not that bothered. Um, no. Oh, yeah. For us, uh, I, I don't like the saying, if it looks okay from 10 metres, it kind of kind of, it wears on me a little bit because 
sometimes modern kit can look all right from 10 meters but i don't want people to be in modern kit i want them to um to look the best they can for the event okay if they're constrained by budget they don't have to go all out they can wear a tunic and trousers and the tunic doesn't have to have badges on it and they don't have to have the correct buttons on it they don't have to have the full set of webbing as long as they've got ammunition pouches and and a belt and a helmet Um, and then they can just add to it from there i mean there's, there's no great rush um but that's that's with the world war ii stuff i mean I'd never force anyone to wear issued boots of that period because they are horrendous. I do it out of choice and my feet bark for days afterwards. But again, that's personal choice. And the guys who wear them, that's personal choice. I won't force people to wear issued boots of that period because they are crap. Yeah, uh, and we've all grown up nice and soft. So um, <laughs> I don't know how the Germans marched across Russia in those boots because no. it, they are horrendous. They are um, horrendous. With um, in, in regards to Kit Goblin, uh, Nicola has been absolutely fantastic. Um, so we met her last year. Um, she was starting off a fresh, brand new company. And we thought, right, you know, she wants a bit of help. I'll, I'll do a logo for her. So I did the logo and then we got talking. And um, through Kyle, who used to work with us, we got a lot of kit from, um, from Nicola for doing the early Afghan stuff that never materialized. Um, and then we started talking about doing Falklands and Nicola rather than trying to find original kit from Argentina, because it is horrendously expensive, um, did all of the background work, all of the legwork to find out um, what looks the same. So we ended up wearing um, Israeli Dubon Parker jackets. We're like an identical copy of the Argentine ones. We've got um, Austrian, um, I think they call them M65 jackets, which are like a Gore-Tex layer they used to wear underneath the Dubon Parker. Um, the trousers are Austrian. Uh, the boots, again, you can wear modern boots, but I've got some old British 80s ones. Um, it's not about having exactly the right kit. Uh, we're trying our hardest to make it look like it's the right kit, um, although it's not. Um, when it comes to British kit of the period as well, uh, I know 68 DPM is getting harder and harder to find, as, okay. as Tom Hibbard will know. Um, trying to get it in his size, as he kept saying, was, was something really hard to do. But I believe he's dropped a load of weight now, so he should be able to borrow mine. Um, yeah, um, 68 DPM, yeah, it's hard to find. The price is going up. If you rip it, you're going to be pissed off. Or if, if, if you're me, you're just going to sew it back up again. Um, but you could probably get away with 85 DPM. I, I, I wouldn't want people to turn up in 95s or 2000s because it's a slightly different pattern yeah. and different colours. But 85 and 68 I would prefer because it looks the part. However, if someone turns up in Soldier 95, I can't then tell them, oh, no, go away, because I want them to be included. I want them to get that experience and become keen for it and then build on that kit over time. I don't ever want to have players turn up and be excluded for not having the right kit. It's all about learning. And over time, learning about the the uncomfortable sort of kit that we got issued. Like, it doesn't dry quickly. It's heavy. Some of it shrinks in the rain. You know, it's all about learning. It's all just one big experience. It's like when um, when I did my reenactment when I first started off, I literally I went to um, Soldier of Fortune or Cost of Fortune as everyone calls it now, um, <laughs> and literally just bought one of their um, reproduction kits. Like you can literally, I think it was like two hundred quid, and it was like trousers, boots, shirt, jacket, and a, a cheap helmet. And then literally, eBay surfed for the next ten years and just swapped everything out to all original and it's easy enough to do you can like once you've got your base and you can run around and have fun 
it does, it spurs you on to kind of go, oh, actually, no, I'd really like to get like a proper set of trousers or yeah. uh, a proper M81 helmet um, and things like that. And you kind of go, hmm, okay. Yeah, I mean, I'm exactly the same boat. And I 100% agree. I did exactly the same thing. I've only just managed to get um, a tunic that I've wanted for the last three years because I've just been, I've had one that I made do with. And I suddenly just woke up one day and was like, you know what, fuck it, I'm buying this new tunic. And I can't <laughs> The expensive buttons that I bought and added to the old tunic, cut them all off, cut the expensive badges off, put them on the expensive tunic. Yeah. It took me three years to get there because I didn't need to do it, but I wanted to do it in the end, so I went mm. and did it. Well, it's no different really to any other um, sort of Mil- Milsim style event, is it really? I mean, you, you know, you've got the people that uh, modern day um, kit, obviously buying Cry, um, NVGs, stuff like that. You know, obviously people, you know, if it's a hobby that you... Uh, enjoy and you want to invest in both time and money um, then you, you do build these things up and you, you know, you'll probably find that you don't have the same kit that you started off with 10 years ago because no. you just have that natural progression you see things you find things cheap you know someone else is selling one off that you you really want to get hold of so you know it, it is that natural thing um, rage asks uh, apologies if I've already missed this but what made you go down the historical event route um I think it's probably something to do with the fact that I'm, I'm in a modern army now. Um, so I have to wear MTP daily. Um, so MTP to me just isn't sexy, um, <laughs> to put it bluntly. Um, I've always been fascinated with World War Two and German kit and German tanks. I loved it from a young age. And I think that's probably where it comes from. And then obviously growing up with games like Medal of Honor and Call of Duty. Mm. Um and then having a chance to run around and do that in reality is just a lot more fun for me. So that's why I went down that route. Um, but then there's also the educational part as well. So every, every battle that we do, I look at it and I look at the companies that are involved and I try to get down to like platoon level. Sometimes it's impossible. Uh, sometimes it might only be battle groups that are involved. But I'll look at that historic timeline for that one battle. Some battles lasted um, six months and you've got to try and squeeze that into one weekend uh, one weekend's game so I learned so much about individual battles doing it and I guess that's what I really like as well is learning about those battles and I also try to post as much online about that individual battle for other people to learn it um, uh, yeah I think I think that's how it started it's like I said I, I wear MTP every day and I, I don't want to run around in it at the weekend yeah that's fair enough yeah. I am mean, I, um, I, I'm, I'm a civil engineer by trade um but I don't like designing drains at the weekend, so I, I get that. <laughs> um, so there's um, obviously, you know, we, we briefly touched on your new site, and there's a couple of questions that have sort of come in about that. Um, so Dan said, uh, seen on Facebook about your own site, can you reveal any details about its progress? So um, tell, tell us a bit more about that, because that's quite an exciting sort yeah, of uh, addition to any kind of uh, company, to have your own land that obviously <clears> you, can, you can do what you like with. Yeah, I mean... Well, it's been about three years of constant soul-destroying searching online for uh, basically anyone who will listen. <laughs> we managed to, well, about a month ago, managed to get hold of a couple of farmers um, through someone who was advertising a, a horse paddock. And I just randomly sent them a message saying, have you got any more land? And they were like, uh, yeah, about 800 acres. And I was like, fucking hell, almost fell oh, off my chair. Yeah. <laughs> um they were on holiday at the time, managed to get talking to them. And it's a couple of lovely farmers, uh, Rob and Carl. And um, they've managed to, to help us secure a bit of land up in Shropshire, which is about 
two and a half hours from me, two hours from Mike, and two hours from Andy. So it's smack bang in the middle of us. Not not and me through. and Andy no, to us. clarify. No, yeah. sorry. <laughs> Frontline Andy and frontline yeah. Mike. Um, <laughs> again with the issued names. Um, anyway, yeah. so uh, we managed to get a site that's pretty much smack bang in the middle of all three of us. So none of us can argue. Right, it's closer to you, so you can go and do it this week. Um, that way, we'll all be willing to go up there as much as possible. Um, <laughs> It's uh, about, it's just under 30 acres. Uh, and what we're trying to do, if anyone's looked at the website, you'll know already, and I apologize for, for droning on about it. What we're trying to do is create a World War II themed airsoft event site. Um, so we will run skirmish games and we'll run a few of our own World War II mill sims there. Um, and what we'll do is we'll build wooden tanks as close to the real ones as we can get, we'll paint them up, we'll put Zimmerit on them, we'll do what we can to make them look and feel like you're actually there. Uh, we'll do the same with the, the farmyards that we're going to build. It'll all be built out of wood. None of it's going to be permanent structures, but we're going to do our best to make it look and feel as realistic as possible um, to the point of where you're in the safe zone. Okay, it's clearly a safe zone, but as soon as you walk into that field, we'll have the speakers on, we'll have hopefully some smoke machines and we'll have... Uh, as much as we can build there, built, ready for you to, to sort of experience. Oh, wow. um, all the plans for the site are up on the website at the moment. If you, if you go yeah, to our... I was just going to find those. And I'll, I'll bring them up on the screen. While you're yeah, if you, if you head over to frontlineevent.co.uk, um, enter the actual website, and then you're looking in the top left-hand corner for something called H-Hour. You click on H-Hour, uh, and it will tell you more about our site. Um, including um, the bar. So we're, in, we're intending to put a bar on site. So when we do the weekend events, we can all go up there and have a drink together. Um, not selling alcohol. You bring your own because we don't have a license for that. Um, we can all get together, have a drink, and again, welcome you into that, that sort of family community that we have already. Um, and the uh, the bar will be infamously named the slutty nun <laughs> yeah. uh, it's a it's a rolling tradition it, it started in 2019 and we haven't been we haven't really had a chance to do it again since but we're going to stick with that so what sort of this obviously got the uh the, the map on screen at the moment so i apologize for those listening back um what what sort of uh the site's obviously quite a unique shape so what sort of features are you looking to sort of uh provide in there yeah i mean so looking at the map now um the uh, the green patches uh, represent trees, blue represents rivers. Um, the thin dotted lines represent hedgerows. Uh, if you look at the layout of the ground it's, as it is, um, the yellow spots where it goes from yellow to green, the more yellow it is, the higher the ground is. So you've got sort of two peaks in two different fields. So no matter where you are in each of those fields, you can't see from one side to the other, um, oh, nice. which yeah. which is quite good. So it's not just completely flat. Um, what we'd like to do is build a village in site A and then in site B, Jurassic Park reference, in site B um, have uh, more of a rural sort of countryside feel to it, a bit like as if you're walking into an episode of Band of Brothers. Oh, what, so um, like the brocage sort of things where it's the small square yeah, that's, fields. That's what we want it to feel like. Um, oh, that would be awesome. What we've done uh, is when I've, when I've made this map, I've placed everything just at the limit of weapons range so even if you come out for a skirmish, you'll have to work together as a team to accomplish those objectives. Um, I'm, a, I'm a firm believer that if you promote teamwork, you'll make more friends. Um, 
because people have to work together. And if they don't want to work together, they're not going to have a good time because they'll end up on their own. Um, but like I said, everything that we're designing is going to be challenging gameplay. For instance, if you look at the town itself, um, within the centre of town, there's a triangle shape. So no, no matter which way you look, the town will look like it goes on for miles. Um, all the walls will have their own little loopholes. They'll have all sorts of stuff that will make it harder to get into and fight around. Um, but yeah, I mean, trying to trying to give you that Normandy feeling, like what you'd see in Band of Brothers or Saving Private Ryan. That's what yeah. ultimate we will achieve. No, That'd nice. be awesome. I'll be well up for going there. Yeah. I, I imagine it's yeah, going to take us a long time to build it. But um, there are parts of the site that are playable from the opening. Um, mm -hmm. And like I said, we'll just have to build it over time because... Yeah, you have to de like like you develop yeah. your kit you'll be developing yeah. that so exactly no, that fair. cool um so one thing i want to talk about as well i saw a couple pictures of promo photos with uh, vehicles in um yeah. so are you a planning to have vehicles on this sort of new site that you've got and b uh where did the vehicles come from because obviously you know again sort of I'm presuming sort of reenactment uh type type people <laughs> yeah so, so all the vehicles that we use at the moment are privately owned so um doug mccarthy brings his weasel down um uh mick who runs the 514th um red bull express as he calls it they've yeah. got um yeah. a multitude of vehicles including uh, a working sherman tank um yeah, they're, they're a lot of sites say no no you can't use that because it's gonna it's gonna plow the field for them um but we, we've tried to. Whenever we can get vehicles, we'll get them. Um, but it's up to the people who own them, whether they're free to bring them up. Mm. Um, I'd like to have them at every game because it, it does change the experience. However, I don't want the games to solely rely on vehicles. I want the games to have the vehicle as a nicety and to change the atmosphere and for you to experience that. But I don't want the games to rely on it. I don't want that to be a thing that when people turn up, there's no vehicle, and they think, oh, this is crap because there's no vehicles. Um, but eventually, when the low loader prices go down, I'll start bringing the vehicles back in because they are really expensive. Um, they're expensive to run. They're expensive to transport. Um, but, yeah, we'll get what we can when we can. Cool. That sounds nice. So I've got a little question. Um, obviously, a lot of uh, uh, reenact, like, proper world war ii reenactors that do the big shows and things like that mm -hmm. a lot of those have um blank firing um or diac weapons yeah is that something that you allow at your games at all does your so, insurance cover that or it, so we would be covered for it um but it does come up quite a lot actually there's mm. there's a few people who have said to us oh why don't why don't we get um blank firing mg42s um that they want to pay for and they want to hire out and they want to use uh, and I'm up for that, but at the same time, I'm kind of not because when someone's suppressing you with a with a with a airsoft MG42 and you're behind cover, the rounds are slapping off the bits of foliage around you or the metal that you're next to or whatever it is, and it actually gives you suppression. Yeah. Because um, at frontline, you've got to sort of value your lives a little bit. If that was a blank firing weapon, how do you know it's suppressing you as an individual? How do you know it's not suppressing someone else? Um, and I don't. I, I don't necessarily want that confusion because it, is, it will create chaos on its own unless there's some sort of rule that says that everyone has to be suppressed because you won't know because it's going to be loud. You won't know if he's aiming at you. He'll be in cover. He'll be hidden away. 
Um, we've got a, a regular, Frazier, who's got an MG42, and he literally nests himself away with his team, and he provides covering fire, and he can hold a team back for ages because they yeah. don't know where he is. Um, but the individual that he's suppressing knows they're being suppressed because they can't get up. And when they do get up, they get killed. And then people try to come revive them and they get killed. <laughs> with with the black firing, uh, sorry, blank firing MG42, I don't know how we would achieve that because the six mil is, is re- about as realistic as it's going to get, yeah. minus the noise. The blank firing MG42, you don't know who he's shooting at. You can hear it and it sounds fantastic. And you can hear the pound coins dropping as the shells drop. <laughs> yeah. Again, I don't know how um, how we could implement that into the game to let people know that they're being suppressed. So yes, you almost need some sort idea. of like hmm. blank fire uh, airsoft hybrid. <laughs> I know, I like yeah, one or two would be yeah. great. I mean, to, to have a blank fire mounted on a on a tank, for instance, would be different. Um, because you'd still have everyone else with their machine guns around them firing. Yeah. Mm. Um, just quickly on the subject of machine guns as well, because it will come up, is that we're trying to um, we're trying to push everyone towards getting bolt actions or semi-automatic rifles, um, and trying to get away from the every man has a Thompson and every man has an MP40. And it, mm-hmm. I don't think people thought it was nuts at first, but it has changed the gameplay. Yeah. It sort of slowed it down and made it a hell of a lot more scary. Um, for instance, uh, last, not last weekend, the weekend before at Stalingrad, um, there was two guys with bolt-action rifles. One was in a room on my side, and one of them burst into a room, and he was on the other side. <laughs> they both had bayonets fixed, and they both missed the first shot and then proceeded to try and stab each other, <laughs> which was horrendous to watch, because yeah. at that moment, I had a PPSH as an officer, pulled it up, went to pull the trigger, and my battery was dead. Oh no! Oh, no. <laughs> so, rather, uh, I cowardly ran away and <laughs> left him for dead. Um, As however, a good officer should that the fear straight away just from having two blokes yeah. with bolt action rifles. Like I said, it spread into me as a submachine gunner. I was like, "Fuck! I need to get out of here," um, because I don't know what else is going about to come in the room. Uh, and I know a lot of the players probably felt the same thing as well. But it does certainly change the dynamic of the game. It makes it a lot more fun. I know it's, a lot of people keep telling me it's a lot more um, rewarding when you hit someone with a bolt-action rifle with no scope. Yeah. Um, so that's, sorry to digress, that's just one of the things we're trying to sort of not push it on players, but trying to encourage players to do. Mm. Um, so... And if you do if you do have an MP40 and you can't afford a bolt, uh, for, start again, can't afford a bolt-action rifle, we'll just put you to semi-auto. Yeah. Um, and, and then keep on hounding you while you sleep. I'll keep sending you messages. <laughs> yeah. And uh, have you got a rifle yet? Have you got a rifle yet? <laughs> but, um, yeah, so in terms of blank firing, yeah, it's a good idea. It's good for ambience. However, we've got two 2,000-watt speakers that burst out ambience all weekend. Nice. So the, the submachine guns or, or MG42s would be great, but I just don't know how I would implement it into yeah. the game. I mean, I'm open for suggestions. If people have a way of implementing it, let me know and I'll analyse it with my slightly autistic brain and try and work out how I'm going to do it. Well, it's got to go a certain way. I can drop you some messages from how we used to do do it at um, the big reenactment events that worked quite well. So yeah. you might be able to twist that a little bit better. I'll yeah. I'll talk to you later about it. Yeah, cool. Want, yeah. 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 yeah, Using my experience for once. Woohoo! <laughs> See, I... I'm thinking there must be a market now for, I mean, I don't know, Harry um, Harry Badger's kind of our uh, resident 
just can build anything guy. Um, I don't, I don't know if he's in the chat, but um, I sort of so, oh, there must there must be some way of incorporating you know like a, a HPA LMG system within a blank firer. Just just like if it's an MG forty two, you obviously got quite a lot of stuff that you can kind of hide bits and pieces yeah, in. But if it's um, a blank if it's a blank fire or DAC and you start putting stuff that yeah, has a you start modifying it. You're modifying oh, the deactivated so, yeah. weapon and you're making it into a firearm. Yeah, section True. five firearm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, Curse they'd you come, laws <laughs> <laughs> They'd come down on you like a brick. <laughs> However, if it's a if it was an airsoft MG forty two that you put like a HPA gas firing system in, that's allowed. That could work. Um, I know a lot of reactors do that. It saves them a fortune yeah. on shell cases. Um like I said, you could have a, a gas system that fires and lights, ignites the gas at the end. Because mm. all it is is a pop at the end yeah. of the, especially on the 50 cows. They literally, it's just forcing air and a little bit of gas into it and igniting it. So it just creates. You'd miss a, that ringing sound though, wouldn't you? Surely yeah. as the uh, shell casings come out. Yeah, I mean, I've already got tinnitus. I don't know how I'd feel about <laughs> yeah. it on the weekends as well. Like, I already get it from grenades, copious amounts of grenades coming into buildings. I mean, my ears were ringing last weekend. Um, yeah. I don't know how I'd feel about MP40s and PPSHs, <laughs> certainly, with their rate of fire going off next to my ear hole in a, yeah. in a confined space. Might not be the best. You wanted realism, Dan. Yeah. <laughs> ears are bleeding. Is that not real enough? Well, it's like, I, when we did the photo shoot, Mike, and I was talking to you about that guy that let off his um, 9 mil blank firing Thompson into mm. a... Um, we were doing a place called Fort Nelson, and it's got like the old um, uh, ammo runs, so like real tight brickwork tunnels. And someone decided to mag dump a nine mil in there with no one wearing ear protection. That was <laughs> that was interesting. Thirty odd guys all walking out just looking dazed. <laughs> I really hope no one on work is watching from this. Um, <laughs> this is about probably about seven years ago, we were on a GPMG range um, or an LFT, LFT, LFTT range and um, going up this range and one of my ear defenders falls out and I'm on the gun and I, I was firing and my jaw, like the pain of it, like I just can't describe to this day. Um, and that comes back. As soon as a loud bang goes off, that pain comes back. Oh. It's just, it's not a good feeling. Like no. 900 rounds, just like... You were hesitant to pull the trigger after a bit. You were just like, oh, God, I've got to pull the trigger and it's going to hurt. <laughs> yeah. um, and no you, you get something similar as a, as a CVRT driver. You get the same thing. So the GPMG is mounted just above your head um, mm. with your hatch closed. And when it fires, you're in front of the pressure and it literally rattles your teeth. Um, oh. so it's it's one of those it. things you'd be like, firing now and you're like... <laughs> <laughs> and it, yeah, it's just one of those things. So... I can make it that realistic, guys. If you want it, we'll do it. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. but that um, um, that kind of leads on to another one quickly. Do you allow HPA weapons? Yes. Yeah? Yeah. As long as it's Absolutely. Hidden. Yeah. It all gets chronoed. If it fits through the chrono, it's fine. Um, we had a HPA MG42 on a half track uh, last summer. It was just mentioned in the comments. Again, Frazier, who I was talking about before, had it mounted. And it was relentless. Like it sounded so realistic when it was firing. Um, he's now sold that one, sadly, to someone else in the community, which is good. 
but he's got um, the G&G MG42 and the rate of fire and the sound it makes, you know you're being shot at by MG42. Just... <laughs> yeah. um, but we limit the ammo. So he's only allowed to carry one drum fixed to his yeah. gun. Uh, the rest of the ammo has to be carried by people within the section. So I'll do he'll have a number two attached to him with the extra drums and a rifle. Yeah. And he'll have to be with him to help him reload and stuff. So again, oh, like yeah, that. it's That's facing cool. the MG, but yeah. it's got its uh, it's got its setbacks as well. It's got to have yeah. its Achilles heel. Yeah, we were chatting about I think it was the LFG episode when we were talking about um mag capacities and stuff like that. So yeah. yeah. But that's um, how they used to do it back then as well. Yeah, like well, we still do it now. It. Yeah, we still do it now. As a GPMG gunner, now you'll only carry so much link because you've already got the heaviest gun. Yeah, uh, and all the other guys in Delta Fire Team will carry the rest of the ammunition, and they'll spread it out amongst each other's day sacks, and then it will get passed down as he starts depleting it between attacks. It will just get shifted along to the GPMG gunner eventually, but he'll have a number two. Will have a wad of ammunition in his day sack, and probably no shins left by the end of the week. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Um, I'm just going to take a little pause just for a few people, just to, um, if anyone wants to send any more questions in, we've got some stuff stacked up already. Um, just while we've obviously got a few new people on the chat, it's a little bit of a sneaky way of getting uh, new people to watch, unfortunately. Um, <laughs> but we've got a competition running at the moment um, where we're raising money for the Royal British Legion. Um, as part of our 100th episode, um, we, we try to be quite uh, charitable on 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 the podcast but we've we've managed to convince uh, a number of companies to submit some prizes to us um these are basically uh, done in a raffle uh, so you enter by um going on to uh, just giving uh, donating some money and then you log that donation through the form on our website uh, and then we'll be doing a uh, raffle on our 100th episode we've got some quite exciting prizes uh, there's another one we had a cyber gun uh, M249 added. I haven't had a chance to put it on the website yet. Um, we've got um, Edge Tactical Eye Pro uh, from Country Sports Wholesale. Surplus Store UK have donated a bag. We've got Vortex Optics, uh, tickets to Defiant Events, uh, a pair of Step 1 boxes. Um, so if you're interested in entering that raffle, um, say it's it's all for a good cause. Uh, there's loads of information on the website. Just go to novemberfoxtrot.co.uk forward slash comp100. Um, or you can just go to our main homepage. There's a link there, um, and there's also links on Instagram, Facebook, and all of that as well. So if yeah. you're interested in entering, please, Some please do prizes. go and give it a look. And nothing, um, in, none of it goes to us. Not a single penny. It's no, all getting no, all directly to the British yeah, Legion. It's got nothing, no, nothing to, do to do with us at all. So. We're just hosting it, yeah. <laughs> basically. <laughs> <laughs> and then we got the build your own plate carrier as well for the hundredth episode. We do. Well. Sorry, I always keep forgetting to mention that. Do you, I'll right. let you talk about that one. Um, yeah, so it's basically build your own plate carrier. Uh, you can choose whatever you want. Um, I'm not sure if we've, we've got it up on Instagram, but we haven't got it up on the website yet, have we? Not yet, no. I'll put that it. on there as um, well. Basically, it's build your own plate carrier out of whatever you want. You could use spaghetti, sellotape, <laughs> as, long as, it, as long as it holds a mag or something and you you send a picture of us wearing it. Um, we've got the uh, Kronos scope, mm -hmm. um, a set of glasses... And a patch as well for that one because that's it's yep. just a bit of fun. Um, I would pick it up, but I've got the pistol resting on it, and um, <laughs> we're not allowed to touch. And, and we're not allowed to touch pistols, otherwise <laughs> YouTube goes, "No, you've been a bad boy," and they shut us down. So, um, but that's it there. There we go. 
So yeah, if you um, say get in touch with us, you can also um, chat to us on our Instagrams as well, uh, or you can get in touch with us on our email, nofochat at hotmail.com. Our Instagram is at November underscore foxtrot underscore nofo. Website is November foxtrot.co.uk, or Reddit, you can message us on there as well, which is November underscore foxtrot underscore. Um, all right, Dan, there's loads of comments coming in now. Um, there's just, there's loads. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've lost Tarin, Tarin says, uh, every game that I've attended has been impeccable. The Hurtgen, um game was incredibly immersive and subsequent Cairn game. Is it Ken? Kane? Khan. Khan. Sorry, I always mispronounced that. Game was next level. Always excited now for any British World War II games. I hope there'll be more British Western Front games in the future. Certainly so, will. Bit of praise there. Um, what's the other one I wanted to put on there oh there we go Will said do you ever find it difficult to enjoy your own events as an event organiser can you fully immerse yourself as a player or do you find yourself worrying about making sure the event goes well I don't worry about it but literally as soon as <laughs> as soon as the morning admin don't, don't care <laughs> as soon as the morning admin's done that's the most stressful part getting everyone booked in chrono's done and safety brief. Once that's been done, that is so much weight off my shoulders to just enjoy the rest of the day. Uh, from time to time, I will get stuck in the firefights, but a lot of the time, I just sit back and watch it unfold. I, mm -hmm. I, I quite enjoy watching you lot enjoy it um, and just managing the way it goes. I like to keep a step back so that if there is a problem like a fire or an injury, we can deal with it as quickly as possible. But I don't worry about it. I'll worry about it if it happens. If it doesn't happen, I'll just enjoy it and just keep going with it. Nice. Um that's probably the most simple way to put it. Cool. There you go. Um, so what sort of numbers do you get at these events? Because I must profess, uh, I, I hadn't really come across you until I bumped into you at NAE last year. Um, yeah. You probably won't remember me because I no doubt you have hundreds of people talk to you at those events. Um, but it, it's obviously fairly niche, I would say. I, I have not seen sort of too many events companies organising things like yourselves. Um, so is it is it quite popular, or is it sort of a, a small but growing community? Or small but growing is probably the best way to describe it. Um, our first game, we had sixteen people in total, including crew, <laughs> mm -hmm. um, and that was that was back in twenty nineteen. Um, compared to uh, the Khan game, which was about three months ago where we had close to 80 people. So it is growing continuously. Um, naturally, some events will be smaller than others, like the Stalingrad game we did. We only had 42 um, because not a lot of people want to do Soviet Union or not a lot of people could make it. Not a lot of people have the the one game we did have stringent uniform requirements for. Not a lot of people wanted to do that, um, which is fine. Um, we're not all about making profit, so it's fine. Um, as long as we just over break even we're absolutely cool with having low numbers I and mean, it's easier to maintain it's easier to control mm. um but it is growing like i said we had 80 odd or close to 80 uh for the khan game and i estimate something similar for the next british game as well which is on the 24th of september so um i imagine that one will get bigger um the american games used to be massive there used to be a big following for american games but the numbers have really sort of started to die off for american um, kits. I don't know why. Don't know what changed. Um, but like I said, we'll just roll with it. We'll just keep doing it. I mean, we'll, we'll change the events. So we'll do um, one month we'll do a Soviet game. The next month we'll do an American one. The next month we'll do a British one or something to that effect. Um, so everyone gets a, a hand on it. Um, unless, of course, you're German, in which case you'll you'll get an event every two months. 
Yeah. <laughs> Which is fine. That's fine for me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah the, the reason the uh, Americans have dropped off is because they haven't released the movie or yeah. series about it yet. <laughs> like, as a, yeah. as a reenactor back then, you used to go, oh, they've released a World War Two movie. And then all the kit price just will shot up for yeah. about two years. And you kind of just think, oh, all right, well, I'll leave it for a bit then. <laughs> yeah. So, imagine- yeah, you'll get them all back next time the, the next one comes out. <laughs> nice. <laughs> ah, cool. Uh, Dan asks, uh, Dan, how many pews have you personally got and which is your oh, favourite? Right. This is actually going to surprise a lot of people. I've got one pistol, which is a KWC Luger, the CO2 one. And oh, it isn't nice, hot, just to point that one out. <laughs> Apparently, there's this huge myth going around saying that they're like 450 feet per second. They're not. It's at 330. Like, <laughs> I don't know where that came from. It's just because it's CO2. I think people just spread myths. Um, yeah. And the, the second gun I've got um, is actually my wife's gun, and that's the PPSH-41. It's an Ares one, um, which I completely stripped all of the horrible Chinese paint off the steel, uh, blued it, and uh, weathered the wood. So I was really happy nice. with that. Yeah. Um, but if she comes to the event, then I don't get to use it. So I try to keep her in the kitchen. Don't tell her I yeah. said that. <laughs> no, no K ninety eight then. No, I see. I'd love, I'd love the excuse to have a K ninety eight. However, like I said, running the event, I put myself down as a platoon commander and end up standing at the back most of the time. Um, so it just doesn't warrant. It doesn't warrant me having a rifle or no. or a submachine gun most of the time. Um, However, for the Stalingrad game, I, I wish that my, my missus had told me that the battery was flat. Um, <laughs> avoided a, a huge, embarrassing situation. Um, so, yeah, like I said, that'll surprise you. I've only got two guns. Um, got lots of rental guns, lots of rental K98s, but they're not mine. So, <laughs> <laughs> so if you could if you could go out tomorrow and like, you had budget of five, six hundred quid, what, what would you get? For, um, for, I can already tell you off the top of my head because I keep nagging my missus for one, uh, and it's the the new SRC MP40, the the CO2 one. Mm. Um, we got one in for for Frontlines, Mike, uh, last year, and it is fucking brilliant. Like the recoil's good on it. It's got a good rate of fire. The get the lag. The, sorry, the magazines don't leak. Um, it's just a really really solid gun, and it's mainly made out of steel as well. So. That'd be my dream gun at the moment, and I'd I'd do the same thing again. Strip it of that horrible Chinese black paint they put on them, and then blew the whole thing and try and make it a bit fake light on the plastic. Okay. I don't know. But um, if I could, that's what I would get tomorrow. So nice. do you hire cool. weapons for your events yeah. then? You yeah, and a... uniform as well. Oh, yeah. Right. So so go. for instance, if you, I mean, obviously it's not going to be tailored and it's not mm-hmm. going to be the perfect uniform, but we do have basic sets. For instance. Um, with the Americans or the Germans, what you'll get is uh, gaiters, trousers, um, a shirt or tunic, helmet, and a full set of webbing with water bottle and mess kit. Um, all you've got to do is bring your own knife, fork, and spoon um, so you can dig your food at lunchtime. Um, mm-hmm. And then we'll give you a weapon retrospective to that team. So if you've booked on as an American, we'll give you an M1 Garand. If you've booked on as a German, we'll give you a K98, and then you can be a rifleman within the sections um if you don't have your own kit already um and that's like 25 quid for a weekend we'll give you all that wow no, that's amazing yeah, that's actually yeah. pretty good yeah i mean you there's not many not many what? meal sims that meal sim organizers or sim organizers um that allow you to hire weapons from them yeah so that 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 adds like a massive 
I might. Hmm. I think I'm going to spend some money. Dan, I think, I think you should up your prices. 25 pounds <laughs> yeah. is really cheap. <laughs> yeah. well, so we did it. We did it initially because we want people to get involved. We want people to learn about it. We want people not mm. to forget about history. Um, again, like I said, it's, it's quite important to me um, because I'm interested in it because I'm a nerd. Mm. But I'd, I'd like people to, to look at it and go, oh, do I want to go there? Oh, it's an extra 50 quid for a hire kit. I don't really want to pay that. But I want to entice them. I want to get them in. I want to get yeah. them addicted to learning about it and mm. addicted to, to, to just enjoying it and being part of this family that we've created. Um, and that was just one way about going about it. Um, unfortunately, like I said, we don't we don't have loads of stock. We don't have loads no. of kit. What we do have, we will try to make it fit you. Um, for instance, the tunic might be a couple of inches too big. We will try not to give you something too small because uh, that's that's not something you want to see. But no. <laughs> um, yeah, we'll do we'll do our best to try and accommodate anyone um, so, through, throughout anything as well. So, do you have weapons to like say the big four? So, do you have like some Russian? american british and german like. no so that was my initial plan um unfortunately just the price of kit is just so bloody expensive mm-hmm. um we've always had other things to pay out for um so what we're doing at the moment is progressing our logistics side of things for instance buying a different van um getting rid of the trailer we had buying a new generator and buying loads of other stuff mm-hmm. rather than putting money into the rental kits however we've got the big two so we've got american kit and we've got german kit um, because every game is going to have Germans in it. So there's yeah. nothing stopping you coming along as a German. Yeah. The German kits have got no insignia on it. So if you're uncomfortable with wearing swastikas and stuff like that, it's got nothing on it at all. It's just a grey woolen uniform. Um, and the American kit's the same. It's completely unbadged. And we'll just we'll dress you up in it. We'll give you a sandbag with all your clothes in it with a name on it. Um, you'll get taken away. Someone will show you how to get dressed. If you don't already have someone there who knows you to help you get dressed. Um and we'll just go from there. I'd love to have loads of Russian stuff because the the, the, the Soviet front really, really fascinates me. It's so brutal. Mm. Um, and I'd like to do it eventually, but just at the moment, with the, the cost of everything, we just can't afford to do it. No. I'm thinking That's we'll nice. have to have a no-fo day out, Andy. I, I yeah, think we need um, to... Uh... Oh, you get to wear the new helmet as well. I know. I, yeah, I bought Andy's um, yeah, World bought War II helmet. US helmet. <laughs> Oh, nice. Yeah. yeah. Cool. yeah I, no, I have a bit of a, a, a punch on for helmets. <laughs> yeah. I yeah, think I'll send it back to you. Yeah, 60 quid. <laughs> I've got a strange collection of helmets. Like, every helmet I've been issued, I've got them. Like, I don't know why. I just can't let them go. Like, I don't want to let them go. They're mine. <laughs> so, again, I, I have the sort of same thing, but because. I work in construction they're all hard hats which I re- is really sad but they're all badged up with my previous companies and stuff and it's like oh, I used to work there <laughs> I know that's that's really that's really sad but well I've got like the one that I, the, the one that I took to Saudi over Christmas it's got COVID stickers on it to say that I passed because that's how they did it over there I've kept mm. that I've kept that helmet I'll never wear it over here again because it's ridiculous but yeah, <laughs> it's hanging yeah. up on the wall the, at work. The things we keep. <laughs> yeah. Really weird. weird stuff like that. Um, Taylor says, my KWC C96 is way too hot, so I can't use it. Oh. Yeah, unfortunately, you just can't. Like We, we just can't risk it. Um, yeah. There are some ways of sorting out other guns. Like I know um, the Soviets' uh, Nagant uh, 1895 pistol. Uh, is way too hot. It's like almost 500 feet per second and it's incredibly loud. It sounds like it's going to work when it shoots. 
Um, there's a thing you can do with some lolly sticks with that. You can put a lolly stick, cut it up, put it in the back of the shells, and it limits the amount of CO2 going through to the BB. Um, oh, okay. Whether with the C96, I wouldn't know how to fix it. I could try looking on the old uh, World War II forums. They might have an answer on there somewhere. Uh, Taylor, if you message me after this, mate, I'll I'll send you some links. Uh, might be able to help you out. Cool. Yeah. Um, so there's a question that's coming from Michael Card, which I'm going to cut to in a second. Um, so obviously mess kits. You mentioned like sort of period era mess kits. So presumably you yeah. can't rock up with just a jet boil and sit there doing a boil in you a can. bag food. So I'll break it down. So um, for instance, you'll turn up on a Friday evening or a Saturday morning, get yourself booked in, set your tent up, do whatever it is you want to do. Everything within the safe zone does not have to be period. Um, for instance, I use my modern day poncho if I'm not hijacking in frontline mics, uh, tent or caravan. Um, so once you're in the game, that's you fully immersed into it. Uh, once you leave the game area, if you want to have a brewery, jet boil, fire, fire away, go and do it. Um, the reason we, we say about mess tins and knives and forks and that is that we will feed you in the field. Um, unless certain circumstances dictate otherwise, like if it's nearly 35 degrees, we'll bring you back into the safe zone, top you up with water, and then take you back out again and feed you while we're there. Um, but nine times out of ten, we'll go out on the field, we'll play, we'll halt the game where it is. Both teams can either come together into a big social group and eat together with period food that we cook on site and then bring it out in um, massive soup containers so everyone will eat together. Or nice. like what we used to do, we used to separate the teams and both teams would be, in, would be within ear and eye shot of each other, eating, wondering what each other's doing. Um, but we've decided to try and gel the community a bit more by, by bringing everyone together and let everyone chat and sort of get on. Because um, I don't like this thing with Milsims where two teams will turn up and not talk to each other. It's a bit strange. Like, why are you talking to each other? Like, it's, it's airsoft. You're not actually enemies. But yeah, so that's that's why we do that. I mean, we have a range of meal meal ticket options, if that makes sense. So um, when you book on for the game, your lunch is free. That's included in your meal ticket because we're oh. going to bring it out to you and you're going to eat it. Um, in the mornings or in the afternoons, if you want to eat rations out of your jet boil, that's absolutely fine. However, if you don't want to bring that sort of stuff with you, you can buy a meal ticket from us. So for 15 quid, we'll feed you all weekend. That's from Friday night, Saturday morning, Saturday evening, Sunday morning, remembering that your lunch is included. Um, and then you can buy a half ration ticket, which will be like two breakfasts or breakfast and dinner on Saturday. Uh, or you can buy a quarter one, which is just breakfast. So uh, we try to keep you fed without you having to worry about bringing loads of stuff with you. Um, but it's got to be pre-booked. You can't just turn up on the day and be like, oh, I want to pay, you know, 15 quid and I demand my meals now because we might not have brought enough stores with us. So we, we try to get everyone to pre-book it online and it's all done mm -hmm. via the website. So um, that is the sort of options we have. Uh, and it's sure. usually period food as well, which is quite good. To be honest, I'm sold. <laughs> well, that's good. You get your kit for 25 quid, yeah. you get fed for what? Yeah. <laughs> it sounds great. That's fine. But then, but then yeah. you've got the game ticket as well. The game ticket's 90 quid for the weekend. So, yeah. again, the yeah, price I mean, is that's, going up, that's, less that's not ridiculous for a, um, a Milsim sort of style event. So, no. yeah. And uh, um, some of, one of the things I was going to touch on just now is that um, the way the game works, because we feed you in the evening, um, what we do is we, we shit can the game at five o'clock or at last light. Um, that way we can go and have a social together. 
So rather than trying to play through the night and people getting shitty because they haven't slept properly or half the team going to bed and the other team capturing all the objectives overnight, we just pause it exactly where it is, get up the next day and crack on uh, from 10 o'clock after another safety brief. Um, I find it works better. Some people want 24-hour mill sims and that's fine. Uh, when we've got our own site, I've got some plans for doing a 24-hour mill sim based around um, June 6th. Um, which again will be a whole new can of worms, which I'm not going to tell anyone about yet, so don't ask. Um, but that'll be that'll be in the future. But at the moment, all the games they run during the daytime and in the evening. We all sit round together um, and have a drink together and play cards. Um, for instance, uh, last the last game we did, we had I'd say the Soviet team was made up ninety uh, percent of Lithuanians, um, who and Latvians who spent the night drinking vodka, playing cards, and eating cold meats and Dr. Sausage, as they kept calling it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it was fantastic. And that's that's the sort of atmosphere that I think you need because that's what makes me want to keep coming back is watching everyone sitting together and talking and having a beer around a barbecue or you know whatever else is going on. So no, no sleeping in foxholes? Not yet. Just yet. <laughs> yeah, training that. weekends. If anyone wants to do a training weekend to learn how to be a better soldier, I will teach you how to be a better soldier. And it includes being cold and wet. All weekend, yeah. <laughs> so, um, even if it's not raining, you're going to be I'll cold and wet. <laughs> <laughs> charge you for the privilege. Yeah. So, um, no, but all seriousness, yeah. I mean, that's the sort of thing we do. But yeah, being cold and wet, it'll come eventually. Um, we just need the the land to be able to do it and to work out how we're going to do it safely. Um, because yes, I want to do a 24 hour game, but I want to make you feel like you're in Normandy on June 6. I want you to feel like you're in the 101st Airborne and you've just parachuted in. And you've got to get yourself to a rally point. Um, but I've, there's a lot of stuff I've got to work out to make sure that it's idiot proof. Because mm. it's sad to say it, 90% of people are idiots and you will do the wrong thing. Yeah. Um, so I'll work it out. I'd, I'd say the, that number's higher. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Once I've included myself in there, of course. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Especially, especially if us two turn up. <laughs> <laughs> But I'll, I'll, Hello. every single event is there to fully immerse you in it so that you forget that you're in 2022 the moment that the game starts and i'd, I'd say it works i mean some of the feedback we get is unbelievable but mm. you know i don't like no, to blow cool. them bums oh, <laughs> no, it's, i mean there's a lot there's a lot of love for you in the chats so uh that's so that, that question was kirstie of michael card i hadn't actually yeah. put the put his name up so just to put on there but will says uh the hash browns are always banging uh, yeah, much better than a McDonald's breakfast. So, yeah, uh, online Andy does a great job cooking. Yeah, cool. Uh, I'm running out of questions. Andy, have you got any questions? <laughs> um, well, yeah, I'm a little bit gutted that I sold all my stuff before meeting you, but yeah, that's a bit, that's a bit irritating. <laughs> but um, again, you can start the adventure all over again. No, because <laughs> I know what it entails. <laughs> It's um yeah, oh I might have to oh I might do Brit I might have to do Brit. I can say I didn't do Brit uh, last time. I'll your, the British, your helmet, Andy. The British and the Soviet events are absolutely incredible. Like yeah. the like I said, the, just a multitude of bolt action rifles. There's hardly anyone on semi-auto. It, oh, it just changes the atmosphere massively. And uh, the Soviet games are probably the most fun so far because it's fearless. I mean, both sides are the bad guys, so it's like, <laughs> yeah. it doesn't make any difference. <laughs> there's, there's no team saying, well, we're the goodies, we're supposed to win. Like, 
<laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you're both not doing well. Yeah. <laughs> Just... When half your team hasn't got a rifle, that's fine. <laughs> yeah. Oh, is that how you do it? You do it like proper, like <laughs> enemy at the gate style. You get no, one rifle between all of you. <laughs> yeah, can't even do that with the wife. I'll just send her in with a pistol next time. Yeah. Um, yeah, she plays Soviets. Everyone loves her. She's fearless. I mean, I had some German players turn around saying, oh, your missus is around there. I'm not going to go around there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Nope. Yeah, I don't want to be on I'm that done. end either. Yeah. <laughs> so how many, um, how many guys and girls have you actually got in the sort of the frontline team? In the actual team itself. Mm. Uh, so we've got my wife, the only female. And then we've got, there's about 18 of us, I think, in total. Um, we can't always make it to every game. You've got you've got a core three that's myself, um, Frontline's Mike and Frontline's Andy. Uh, and then you've got a load of crew around that that are continuously supporting us. Um, and they have done since the very beginning. And a lot of them were the, the players that turned up to the first game. Um, because they kind of get, they, they sort of fell in love with it. And now they support us, and we do what we can to support them as well. Um, but we'll never have the same people every time because of work commitments and real yeah. life that gets in the way. Um, so yeah, like I said, it's quite quite a big team actually. Um, but we'll never have everyone on one game. Hmm. We do try, but we'll, we'll never be able to achieve it. So, yeah. do you have um, actors or anything like I say nope. actors, like non-combatant players, nope. like nothing? Nothing like that. No, cool. it, we focus we focus solely on the battles themselves rather than the role play around yeah. it. The only real role play bit will be you getting your mission briefing at the beginning, um, sat around, you know, doing your cam cream and um, putting foliage in helmets and stuff like that. Uh, but that's all actual soldier stuff. Um, while it's not even role playing, it's just what needs to be done. Yeah. Um, mm. they, they'll, they'll receive their orders, they'll receive their maps, they'll receive uh, in photographs. And um, actual, you know, I don't know. Like, they'll just get what they need for it um, to make it as realistic as possible. Um, in terms of role play, there is very, very little. Nice, I like that. The guys just do the job they need to do, and that in itself makes it what it is. I think. So the games, uh, uh, the battles, are they? Because obviously, I, I, I've never been to one of your events, but a lot of the sort of style events I've been to have sort of quite similar objective sort of style things. So it's like a either a capture the flag type thing. Is it is it literally just a battle? Is it just, you know, one side versus the other one and then last man standing type thing? Or is it So um Oh, that's the best way to answer this. So the, the last <laughs> game we did um was based around um a place called Gumrack Airfield, which was one of um, seven airfields around Stalingrad itself. Uh, the Germans had to capture all these airfields, and this one was the closest one to the city centre. So it was the best one for them to fly in logistics, medical supplies, ammunition, whatever they could get as close to the city as possible. Um, so what we did is we, we sort of... I don't know how the actual battle unfolded. I don't even know if there was a battle around Gumrack initially. So what we've done is we've taken that bit of history and written something for it because we can't get the information. So what would happen is we'd start off outside of um, Gunman Tudnam, so within within the site, but outside of the actual old air, air um, sorry, air base itself. Mm-hmm. Um, and we'd have to fight our way up through defences, um, eventually leading up to taking buildings and then taking the barracks. And that would take two days. So oh, wow, yeah. the, H, the enemy HQ would be the very final objective. 
Yeah. Um, but all other objectives in the game aren't obvious. They're not flags. They might not necessarily be a defensive position. It could be a hilltop. It could be a crossroad. It could be something that you've got to hold and defend or indeed assault. Um, again, to make it as realistic as possible, because a lot of objectives in real life are grid squares. They're not something as simple as like, oh, go and capture that that tree stump. Like It yeah. just doesn't happen. There'll be a grid square and it'll be a named area of interest or a target area of interest. And they'll say, right, this is what we need to take or advance through or advance to mm. contact. And I try to take my experiences and put that into the airsoft game, which comes off quite well. Um, but sometimes it does get confusing because people are like, oh, I thought I was in the objective area. And it's like, no, you're not. <laughs> <laughs> Carry on. <laughs> or they are and don't realise they are. And he'll have two two sides battling over one objective for absolutely ages before one of them can even move into it. Yeah. Um, because it's not so obvious. Um, but it does it does work that way. Mm. Yeah. No, that's cool. Yeah, I, I, can, um, I can understand that because the, the Falklands event we did... Um, it, it wasn't really kind of based on specific locations, but we were kind of we, we started in the car park at Apocalypse Airsoft and we, yeah. we just worked our way around the map. And it was the case of, you know, there was a constant like front line would move basically depending yeah. on which objectives and stuff. So, no, that's yeah, cool. it's like essentially that. the same thing, but just dressed yeah. up differently. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, for instance, our Falklands game started off on top of a hill. It then moved over to a stone wall, which was like a defensive line. And then it would move to another stone wall, which was a defensive line with a HQ on it. Um, but the weather was so bad, we couldn't even do the whole event uh, because of the fog. We couldn't see more than uh, 20 metres. <laughs> yeah. so it was incredibly hard, but also incredibly realistic. Yeah. Mm. Um, like hearing voices in the mist and being like, shit, is it our team or? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm still out in the open, but I can't see them. Um, but yeah, I mean, like I said, we just we try to do it exactly the same way you said. Um, mm. Defensive lines and objectives that continuously move, but they're just not obvious. They're not, yeah. you know, big old flags in the middle of nowhere because that just mm. doesn't happen on a real battlefield. Uh, certainly not since World War One, anyway. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Head towards that lot. <laughs> would you do? Would you do a World War One style event? I know, obviously, the kit. And the weapons are possibly harder to to sort out. But would you do like sort of a a trench warfare style game at all, or would that I would. be something? I think I think I would I would do World War One for the experience. I don't think I'd do it so much for the airsoft inside. A lot like mm -hmm. the Falklands game that we just did. Um, it would mainly be for the experience of sitting in a trench, listening to artillery going off, it potentially raining. And just having a laugh with the blokes in a trench line, um, because that's inevitably what would happen. That's yeah. what happens with modern soldiers is we end up laughing at everything. Um, so, yeah, I, I think I would do it, but it wouldn't be like Battlefield One. It would be more like you're actually in a trench yeah. in, in World War Two. Yeah. yeah, Battlefield like just yeah, randomly running around. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So again, it, but that could be boring at the same time. So there would be action in it, and we would use the stage pyro that we do to create that bit of action but other than that i wouldn't really know how to do it i mean I, I like world war one but i haven't studied it enough to to sort of know what i was going to do about it yeah mm. i guess it's also finding a venue for that i mean yeah, you'd have to allow somewhere that would you, dig you up definitely have to find somewhere with trenches for example or, or at least <laughs> yeah. enough land to, to build that um, i mean you, you could do early early days world war one where they hadn't dug in yet 
um, where there were still big manoeuvre battle groups moving around. Mm. Mm. Um, so, yeah, you, you could do it. But... I have always wanted to airsoft on a horse. <laughs> full I've, cavalry charge I've, I've ridden horses it's not great fun I don't like horses um, I remember my first ever time on a horse was with the household cavalry and I, I got on this horse and the, the riding instructor was like yeah something 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 walk march I was like how the fuck do I make it go forward <laughs> like yeah. uh, just where's, assume where's, the, yeah. where's the ignition yeah. <laughs> twisting its ear <laughs> how do I make it go forward squeeze your heels how what yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. Ryan, Ryan says um, even the army struggled to dig on training areas. Oh, yeah, we do. So. Yeah, especially here at Salisbury. It's mostly made out of chalk. So you can dig like a, half a foot down and it's just chalk. Get the pickaxes out. You'll be digging till three in the morning, four in the morning. <laughs> and then you've got to move on, haven't you? <laughs> no, yeah. got to... Oh, yeah. In the morning, you will then just fill it in and move somewhere else <laughs> yeah. and then repeat the whole process the next night. Yeah. Keeps so, you warm, though, doesn't it? Yeah, it keeps you awake. Yeah. <laughs> I'd rather be in my time machine, but you know, yeah. it doesn't happen. Yeah, the, uh, the army, we we do struggle. Yeah, right. I've got a few little quick fire questions. Um, yeah. After I'm just going to say this one as well. So, fresh meat says I did have a few doubts uh, about November, but after speaking with you before and listening now, I'm getting excited to play Paris. So um, oh. I, this this was um, off the back of last week's conversations because where we were talking about the. Um, the, the whole issue with you know wearing um cat badges and stuff like that i know that wayne was having a sort of a few thoughts about it but yeah i i, I must say i i'm quite jealous i i would love to come along because um i do have a bit of a say a punch on for uh falklands event but i just can't make it unfortunately wayne oh, wayne was nice. trying to get me involved um but maybe maybe the next one i'll definitely uh i know, definitely consider the I know a lot of people like I say to them about coming along, and they're like, oh, but the kit's expensive. I was like, the Argentine kit's really cheap. <laughs> like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> get the Argentine kit. We're going to have fun. Yeah, but you and will we did lose. Fun, but... <laughs> no, it doesn't matter, though. I mean, like, no. the, the kit just... Like I said, I didn't want to be Argentine, but I knew... That someone said to me, right, well, I think we're going to have to bite a bullet here, and a lot of the crew are going to have to go Argentine because no one's going to want to do it. And we turned up to the event, and we had seven Brits turn up. <laughs> And we had about 20 Argentines. And I was like, well, this <laughs> yeah. um, so next year I'm taking both sets of kit. But like I said, the Argentine kit's not that expensive. Um, the British kit is, but it does look the dog's bollocks. Like yeah. it really does look good. It looked great going against those guys and getting captured by them. It just looked fantastic. Um, oh, I remember, cool. like I said, watching Falklands documentaries while I was at school and just looking at it and being like, wow, I could be in a photograph. And then I did play with the photographs and made them look like that. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, Kenny says, uh, where is the November Falklands game being played? So the November Falklands game is being played at Pathfinder Airsoft in Wales. Um, and it's not too far from Brecon Beacons. So it has similar weather. So bring your, bring your rubbers. <laughs> yeah. You're need them. Um, like I said, I, I, I can't promise you any kind of weather up there because... It could be sunny and then it could be winter in a couple of seconds. Yeah, We chose to do it in November this year instead of December through popular vote that the weather would be better. I've tried to warn everyone that the weather can be shit even in summer. So please bring suitable wet weather and warm weather clothing. Oh, sorry, cold weather clothing because um, you're going to need it, shit bust. Uh, but that, like I said, that's at Pathfinder Airsoft this year. Uh, the same as last year and probably the same as every year because it's just the perfect location to do it. 
I don't want to do it in a woodblock. No, cool. Uh, Kenny also asks, have you got any Cold War era events on the horizon? So, Cold War, I've had so many people ask me about Cold War games. Now, I've got two two thoughts on this. Is that one, the kits are cool. I really, really like Cold War era kits. British kits, Russian kits, East German stuff. It all looks brilliant. But it would be purely mythical if I decided to do it. And that sort of goes against everything I said I wasn't going to do when I first started. I don't want to have to write the scenarios. However, the other train of thought is we're about to create our own site with uh, a very European-looking hamlet slash village on it. Why not use it? What can I use it for? I can still use it for Cold War, but I'd have to make up a scenario, which I don't want to do. Um, So I am sort of tempted, so convince me otherwise. Send me messages, bombard me. If you, as I keep saying to people, if you get me enough players with enough interest, I will probably do it because I just I want to please everyone. But <laughs> yeah, that's cool. It's good. Ethos. It's the same with Vietnam. People keep telling me to do Vietnam. I don't have any Vietnam kit. I've only got a helmet at the moment. Um, but if enough people come forward and say we want Vietnam, I've got I've got forty NVA guys with pretty much historic looking kits. Let's do it. I'm probably more likely to go and do it. But again, I don't want to break the tradition of frontline. I don't want to have kits that you've picked up from Primark. I want you to put that effort into it to make me want to put the effort into the game. Um, I did do a kit guide for NVA and I will get round to doing a kit guide for um, uh, 1960s GIs um, after talking to Gadge Harvey about it because... He sort of like sparked a little fire about six months ago when we were talking about it. Sent me some good pictures and some, you know, what to do with repros and what not to do with them. So, yeah, if I get enough interest, I'll go into it. But if I don't get enough interest, I won't touch it. Yeah, you can it, find quite a lot of Vietnam stuff on eBay. Like, still, yeah, there is. Yeah, there's quite I, a lot on eBay. I may or may not have looked. <laughs> 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 just like 200 saved searches in there. Just pinging you. <laughs> Dangerous. Don't look at my watch list. Like she's like, what are you um, looking at? Nothing. Right, I just want to try and get through these last few questions because I'm conscious of the time. Uh Pepe says, What's your opinion on tinted eye pro, yellow and coloured? Would you ever ban it? Oh, that's a good question. So um I'll try not to waffle too long because of the time. We're all enjoying ourselves. Um right, so uh, a couple of months ago, uh, I think it was after the fall of Berlin game we did in January. Um, I posted up a couple of pictures and I posted up a picture of a guy with clear eye pro on and I posted up a picture of another player with a full mesh face mask um, and I, I said to people I'm encouraging people to wear clear eye pro just for the photos because I can play with them I can make them look so realistic and it looks better with you guys in your kit with clear eye pro so I will never ban someone from wearing full face mask I'll never ban someone from wearing tinted eye pro I'll never ban someone from wearing something they feel safer wearing. However, I will encourage you quite a lot by uh, showing off pictures of people who don't have tinted or full face masks because I like the look of the kit without it. Um, but I won't ban it because it, it's up to you at the end of the day. It's your comfort levels. I know a lot of guys when they do CQB don't want to lose teeth. Um, mm. But there are people now buying gum shields instead. So if they get shot in the mouth, they get shot in the gum shield rather than the tooth. I'm too stupid to do it. I'm probably going to lose a tooth at some point, but that's my choice. Uh, the same as it's your choice to wear whatever eye pro you feel safest with. So 
I, like I said, I take that quite seriously. I take our safety seriously. Um, if you're comfortable doing it, do it. Don't let me pressure you. However, I will still try and encourage you to get clear iPro. Fair enough. That's good. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I think in terms of iPro, I think you know there is always the general consensus that uh, I like ballistic glasses, ballistic goggles, full seal, etc. Are always going to be better than mesh. Um, we, we've had the debate before about mesh and the iPro and stuff. It's, this yeah, is not yeah. the platform for it now, but yeah, um, <laughs> it's a kind of worms. Exactly. Uh, Will says, would you ever do a role-play event-style game, e.g. Occupied France, etc., or is that not really frontline style of games? So, yeah, we've we've talked about it um, at the frontline uh, Puzzle Palace, um, where we've, we've tried to develop multiple scenarios and how we could have French resistance uh, carry up multiple objectives and have, you know, Civ pop and things like that, and Germans just being Germans. But... At the same time, it's not really our style. I also don't want the Germans to get bored and then start committing war crimes, which is what tends to happen at these sort of events. Um, I'll leave that to other companies to do, um, the, the whole role-play thing. I, I just don't want to do it. Um, I know it will disappoint some people, but I feel that other companies are better at doing that and we're better at doing it our way. I don't want to try and do something that I don't fully understand, if that makes any sense, Will. Would you do uh, like a, a French resistance, say, based around when uh, just before like the D-Day landings and stuff, a lot of French resistant units um, started to get a lot more active and attacking convoys yeah. and things I mean, they, like they that. They came would out you... with telephone wires yeah. and sort out loads of stuff pre-invasion. Yeah. Would um, you do something like, along those sort of lines? Yeah, like we've done in the past. We've had French resistance or even Soviet partisans fighting along main side. Mm. Um, Soviet troops or uh, allied troops during the battle. That's absolutely fine. Um, for the D-Day game itself, I could potentially write something in because it did happen and it's easier to write in because I haven't got Germans walking around all weekend bored um, because they haven't seen anything for two days. Um, that'll be slightly more scripted and it won't be a role-playing game. It'll be more these are your objectives, go and do yeah. them. They've been done before 0300. They're going to meet with you at 0300 at this location and then it will unfold from there. So it won't be so much role play and then they'll fight alongside. Yeah, um, cool. I could look into it, like I said, but like I said, we talked about it before and I, I don't feel like it's our style. And there are already companies out there that do it particularly well and I don't really want to tread on their toes. No, fair enough. Fair enough yeah. uh, right, last question. Uh, Pepe says, would you do the 1980s Soviet yes. invasion of Afghanistan? Yes. There you go. Cool. Yes, I would. <laughs> yeah. like I said, I've got, I've got so much Soviet kit. I sold off my AK like an idiot. Shouldn't have done, but it funded a lot of German stuff, so it's fine. Um, the Soviet 80, 80s Afghan war, I absolutely love it. I love the aesthetics of it. I love the, the Soviet music of the era. Um, oh, yeah, I would do it. Yeah, at a heartbeat. But... Again, I've got to find the right site to do it, and I've got to find that player base. Without a player base, I just can't do it. It's just not financially viable. Um, it needs loads of Afghan players, and it needs loads of Soviets. Um, I think one of the quotes I got from one of the uh, from one of the sites was like three and a half grand for a weekend, and I was like, "Don't even make that. We don't even make that much in a weekend." Like, you know, You're I don't know where these companies get these numbers from, but you're gonna have the token Rambo. 
yeah. knocking around in the, <laughs> floating around with his big knife and his bow. Yeah, again though, but in, <laughs> in the um, in the frontline way of doing things, there would be certain kit requirements. Yes, doesn't have to be exact, doesn't have to be reenactor quality, but it's got to fit within the criteria of the game. Mm. Um, and like I said, that's the same for the 1960s Vietnam as well. Like they all want it, and you've got to prove to me you want it, and then I'll do it because um, yeah, I don't want to nice. break front lines sort of way of doing things yeah, cool. that's a good way of good way of nice. keeping your your standards isn't it mm. like if, yeah. I mean, if you can I prove that player place want it yeah like I said so many players put all this time and effort into the kit that we shouldn't let it just fall downhill because someone wants to turn up using M16A2 to a Vietnam game like just, yeah. just don't do it you know they didn't have them then just don't do it um, the same as like M14s in a in a World War Two game for me is just like why don't do it. <laughs> yeah. like, if you want to do it, that's fine, but yeah, it just it looks horrendous. Cool. Well, Dan, thank you ever so much for coming on. Yes, it's been an absolute pleasure. I know um, I've, mm-hmm. I've wanted to get you on for a while now because um, it's just a whole different experience for me and I, I must say I, I there's a little bit of a spark that's united within me uh, don't worry I'll drag him along yeah him along <laughs> I'm definitely I'm definitely going to come to one I'm definitely yeah. gonna, definitely thinking World War Two one Get like I said on. I'm just I'm so passionate about it that when I talk to people about it that passion sort of conveys itself mm. um, I think that's what drags people in so and I hope it does that's that's what I want I, and I'm like this at the games and I want people to enjoy it and I want people to feel like they're part of it so I just want to come along for the food. If the food sounds bad, then I'm there. <laughs> yeah. food, you know, that's it. Food is good. Andy does a cracking job. Um, the next game, we've got um, frontline mics. Uh, lovely wife, Sandra, doing the cooking. Um, and she'll be cooking it from home and bringing it to us oh. in the oh, soup nice. containers. So, again, it's going to have a woman's touch. So it's going to be beautiful. Nice, yeah. Cool. Um, so if you want to get in touch with uh, Dan, uh, you can obviously go to their website, which is frontlineevent.co.uk which is on the bottom of the screen now. Um, Dan, you're also going to be at the uh, National Airsoft Festival next weekend, um, of which we will come and say hello and uh, maybe get a little cheeky photo. Um, yeah. I mean, is there, are there any other socials or is that is that the best way to contact you? Uh, Facebook's probably the best way. Um, the amount of questions I get, I'm usually not that far away from the computer. So um, literally fire me questions either personally on Facebook um, you can find me in the World War II community pages that are linked to the frontline page. Um, like I said, just hit me up. Any questions at all, I'm always there to answer them. Cool. Awesome. Uh, and if you want to get in touch with us, we can also forward stuff over to Dan if for some reason you can't use Google um, <laughs> and you can't you can't find him. And you can get in touch with us at email, nofochat at hotmail.com. Our Instagram is at november underscore foxtrot underscore nofo and our website is novemberfoxtrot.co.uk. Um, as just to reiterate, Dan, honestly, thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, it's a real brilliant. pleasure. Yeah, it's, it's my brilliant. pleasure, honestly. I love just waffling stuff, so it's fun. <laughs> <laughs> so do we. Oh, that's great. <laughs> yeah. Um, if we could just waffle for a second, because I can't for the life of me remember what we were going to talk about next week. Uh, <laughs> Andy, uh, yes. Andy, reiterate the competitions quick. Uh, so we've got the plate carrier competition. Uh, we've got the raffle uh, as well, um, which obviously going to a good cause. Um, there will also be secret competitions that I'm sorting out, which Mike doesn't even know about yet. Oh no, you know about one. You know about okay. the spoon. Oh yes, 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 I know about the spoon. <laughs> so, are you sorted yet? No, not yet. No. no. Do you want me to bring it up? <laughs> yeah, we'll sort that. Out, yeah. <laughs> um, 
yeah, that's uh, that's kind of it on the competition side. That's cool. I think. Uh, and next obviously, week, we'll be at be... NAE. Yes. So next week, uh, we're at NAE, so that's next weekend. Um, next week, we're going to be talking about sleeping bags. Um, it's a spur-of-the-moment mm. decision, but I saw a, a chat on Facebook uh, that someone was asking about sleeping bags and stuff. So we're going to do oh, an we... episode on sleep systems. All right. Lance, we're doing a one on yeah. <laughs> sleeping bags. <laughs> if anyone uh, wants week... a really good sleeping bag, speak to Nicola at Kit Goblin. She's got these Norwegian ones in. They're bright orange, but they're literally like the warmest thing in the world, honestly. Nice. Bomb to shame, and it packs down smaller. So, just out cool. there. Oh, there you go. There we go. Um, so yeah, join us next week. Uh, we'll be again eight o'clock on a Wednesday. Uh, till then, thank you very much for joining us, Dan. Yeah. Thank you ever so much. Cheers, guys. Uh, cool. Thanks. See you later. Thanks, come on, and stay nofo, everyone. <laughs> stay, stay nofo. <laughs> <laughs> See you later. See ya. <laughs>